Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, do not adjust your radio dial. This is the 13 and 34 podcast. This show is not regulated by the FCC, nor should it be. The following noises you're about to hear are not intended to be played in public areas. Listener discretion is advised. Here's your host, John Bond and Coach 34. Welcome to the 13 and 34 podcast sponsored by Year of the Bell. At Year of the Bell on Twitter. On Twitter. Year of the Cowbell, man. They uh, they provide that noise that uh, state fans are so uh, enamored with. They make a beautiful product, and it's it's fantastic. It is. Merry Christmas to me. Yeah, check us out on Twitter at 13 underscore 34 podcast. You'll see the awesome special custom podcast bells that we got uh, for Christmas from those guys, and we appreciate their sponsorship. Absolute beauty. Been a good year. Yeah, it has. Speaking of good year, uh, it's obviously Christmas, and so uh, we were happy to be able to find some time to get in the studio, but uh, John, uh, off out gallivanting as those ex-quarterbacks are. Yeah, I ran away. <laughs> Y'all found me. <laughs> Man right. of the world. <laughs> yeah. That is exactly right. But uh, John on the road. Oh, y'all, how's Jackson? It's raining where I'm at. Oh, it's beautiful here. It's hot. It's, it's 80 like, degrees Yeah, here. and sunny. Bad gone. I know. Well, I was hoping we were going to get snow like they talked about, but it don't look like that's, no. it doesn't look like that's happening. Of course, Christmas Day is going to be cold again, but good grief. Right now, it's 80 degrees. I know. That's but uh, unbelievable. Sp- speaking of hot, I think uh, the Bulldogs had a little bit of a hot week as well in this early signing period. Man, I'm loving me some early signing period. Oh, it, I am too. It's a headache, I know, for our coaching staff and all that to have to do it twice. But to get it over early and kind of even out the numbers and keep keep Bam, the Bamas and the Georgias of the world from poaching a lot of your guys at the last minute and screwing up your class, yep. I think it's huge for us. I, I love the early signing period. I do, too. I think it's going to help guys like us, you know, that have uh, have lost people late. And, uh, you know, go ahead and get these guys signed up and get them ready and get people off of them. And let's make it happen. I mean, they uh, they had a great – sign class and i think uh you know we filled some holes that we needed oh my gosh and, uh, well i mean if, even if you look at everybody else i think they did too I, you know i know the coaches are going to be mad at it, especially the guys that are in bowl games and they, all that so but but i think us the little guys supposedly are going to benefit how big a factor does it play john as somebody who's been in recruiting and then been a, a coach on the other side of things ga all that kind of stuff how big a factor is it that you have the early signing period that that you don't have kids waiver. I mean, do you, do, do you think that of this fifteen man class that we got, you know, how much of that how much of that would have wavered if there's another month and a half, two months to to let Alabama's and Ole Miss and and Texas and Ohio State and all them look into them? Well, I mean, if you just look at what was it two years ago when we uh, the kid out of Columbus, um. At the last minute, ended up signing with Alabama. Who was that? Uh, it was Johnny Cook's cousin. Okay. I, I uh, he was out of West Point. Yeah. The offensive lineman. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, that's just one example I can think of, uh, you know, right off the top of my head. So, and it was a lock. You know, it was for sure. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, they come in with their, they start flashing those national championship rings around and all that kind of stuff and start talking trash. It's, uh, it's easy to lose somebody, but, you know, as far as coaches, you've done your research already. You know who you want. And, 
and, and if you do get them early, then that's some that's that's a lot of bricks off your back. Well, it's huge also because as kids take their visits and go to different schools, they can be swayed by just something small, yeah. and it's not, and they end up regretting their decision because they based it on a you know two day recruiting trip, and they kind of throw away to the side all the things that they knew about the previous school that they were the year committed they spent to, with them, yeah. yeah. And, and over little stuff, and, and they make rash decisions that 17- and 18-year-olds sometimes do. Hell, right. even 45-year-olds do that. Say, I, I do it all the time. <laughs> but uh, more so at 17 and 18. And I think it kind of – the early period really kind of eliminates some of those little – you know, I want to say bad decisions. I think in the long run, you'll see a lot more kids end up where they need to be as opposed right. to the you last know, the, second flip. Yeah, the little yeah. shiny, pretty thing yeah. on the side, pull them at the last second. Exactly. That's what I was, I was going to say. That, you know, the glitter and the glamour, you know, it'll turn a 17-year-old's head. For sure. So, and they make uh, don't make good decisions. Well, let me ask you this. Part of the early signing period, I think, that, we, that we're kind of talking about, and I want to, I guess, maybe clarify for the listeners, is, is – we saw this with Ole Miss. The Ole Miss receiver that they got from Georgia, a four-star, the reason he went to Ole Miss is because Georgia didn't send him an NLI Wednesday. They said, yeah. we're not going to sign you yet. We want to wait and have you sign in February. They had him on the back burner. He immediately said, I'm not going to do that. And who did it benefit? It benefited the little school, right? Like the Ole Miss, the state, the Arkansas, that kind of thing. Right. That's That, I think, is good. We're going to see a ton of that moving forward every year because – there's there's such a balance between how many do I sign right now that I know I need and how do I balance an, a kid's ego and say hey I want I without telling you that you're not important I want to make you wait another two months to see if I can get this other guy I like more and if I can't get him I'm gonna come sign you yeah and that's huge because it also helps the kids out because yeah, they don't get instead of out. him having to wait around and possibly not having a spot right there at the end. He can go ahead and go to another good school, even though it's Ole Miss. He it's can still he, Division One. It's a SEC, Division One yeah. SEC school. He he can go ahead take that offer. He, they've got somebody that wants him. For and now sure. he's at least got a four year. Yeah. To, you know he's got a scholarship and he's in a good yeah. place. I, it benefits the kids. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Well, John, let me ask you this question, um, yep. and then we'll break down our class. Actually, as we just were kind of talking recruiting here. Um, what what do you think moving forward will be the focus for coaches in the early signing period? Do we was this year the way it's always going to go or was this do we think it's going to evolve a little bit moving forward since this was just the first time? Yeah, I think it's going to evolve because I think Alabama's and and all those big schools the the supposed money makers for these guys are going to start jumping up and down and hollering and um, and and it's not, probably not going to fly for much longer. I mean, if it even got another year, I would I would love to see it last, but uh, I'm not sure it's going to. Oh, I agree with that, John. Uh, Thirteen, you you hit it right there because Saban and them are what they they've been number one the last eight or nine years, and now they're five or six, and yeah. their fans are freaking out. They lost the national yep. championship game last year. Now they're. Now they're recruiting. It's a downhill slide. Yeah, Saban's a, over. He's Saban, done. Saban's done in Alabama. <laughs> they, they're already predicting the slide yeah. in Alabama. Exactly. 
Man, well, that's... I asked the other day on the radio show, you know, how what's it going to take to get Matt Luke out of Ole Miss? <laughs> Good grief. I don't, you know, I don't know. I, that We were having that conversation yesterday uh, with some, some buddies, just how that all played out and how how much would you think Ross Bjork wishes he could have that week back and, and make his coaching hire a week later after the NCAA stuff came out? Well, you know what? I don't know that he does because of the way they recruit and everything. It's, you know, whether it's Hugh Freeze or Matt Luke, I mean, is there a difference, really? It's on the field. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I think he can recruit well for what they do, but it's on the field. What's he going to do? Yeah, well, I mean, their yeah, offense was – how much actual recruiting they did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's sounds true. Like sounds like their alumni did a lot. Yeah, well, and speaking of which, and we don't have to go too far into this, but did you see where they've reinstated the Rebel Rags booster until his lawsuit clears? Yeah, they, they, they went ahead and reinstated him so that he's now a booster again. Wow. Yeah. They literally don't care about the NCAA nope. at all. Nope. They give zero uh, Fs. Yeah, no. It's uh it's interesting. But anyway, so let's look at the class, um, because obviously yeah. state fans are super excited about um about this class. So I've saw I saw Robbie Donahoe, Paul Jones talking a little bit about this. This was we've never signed as long as two four seven has um metrics, which I think was back to ninety seven. Um we, Mississippi State's never signed a class with three receivers this highly touted. Um, we also, this is one of our highest star total, quote-unquote, star total classes in terms of the number of four stars and stuff like that. Um, so what, what, there doesn't seem to be the hype around this class that you would think maybe. Um, is that because it was already put together for the most part? Is that because there's so much else going on with Moorhead and Mullen? What do you think plays into that, John? Yeah, I, I think it was uh, everything was kind of it was planned out or at least everything happened the way it was supposed to happen i think the one guy that left was the defensive lineman but i think this could be attributed to kids paying more attention to what a school needs you know i think that you know those guys were new knew that we needed receivers and uh the defensive lineman knew that uh, Ole Miss needed defensive linemen you know well and so i think it's just a uh, information age yeah, I totally agree because, you know, people got a little upset about the flip and all that, but that kid was not going to play for us in 2018. Or, and, and maybe he, he's, he's talented. I mean, he's he's a good-looking yeah. kid. But our two deep next year is is ridiculous. I mean, There's potentially three top first-round draft picks. We are a top seven or eight in the country defensive line next year. And and we we redshirted the Odom kid from Callaway and Chauncey Rivers who's and a transfer Rivers. from Georgia and I mean those guys will be in the mix trying to get playing time now Rivers may overtake Spencer at one of the defensive ends I think he will I don't know that he will could you I mean, imagine Spencer ain't bad you could you imagine Simmons Sweat and Rivers Golly. Wow. yeah yeah and Rivers yeah. is definitely he's you know, a stud big time player there's. No doubt, but you got a guy in, in Spencer who has been a good football player, played That's for true. two years. That's true. He's not going to give that spot up too easily. No, but you do have the difference of a new coaching staff, a whole new slate. So, and, and but you also have the fact that. Both of them are going to be playing that position, and there's not going to be any drop off. Hardly, no, that's true. No matter who plays it. So for four quarters, first seven on that that line, defensive yeah. end on that side is not going to drop at all. Right. Um, so let's talk about those receivers. Um, John, as a quarterback, you can probably attest to this. What 
give me the mindset of Nick Fitzgerald five hours into signing day. Yeah, well, it was, I think you said it the other day about being Christmas <laughs> or being Christmas Eve. <laughs> you couldn't had some great pres- great looking presents under the tree, but you couldn't open them yet. So, but I think Nick realizes that it's going to take a little time. You know, uh, they'll be able to come in and make some plays. How consistent they'll be, you know, is yet to be seen. There's some there's some there's some things out there that still have, are yet to be determined. Oh, no doubt. But it just to upgrade the talent at wide receiver that yeah. we just did nope. is no insane because. I was looking at our receiver stats and all that, and uh, I'll pat myself on the back. Of course, I never do that. No, never. You've never <laughs> never been one to toot your own horn. Uh, but, I, you know, uh, the hair gel guy that's on the radio, uh, Jake uh, Wimberly. Jake Wimberly, yeah. He and I agreed with this and uh, threw some tweets and all that. We talked about how Fitzgerald's numbers were probably going to drop some in 2017 because of the lack of talent at wide receiver. And that turned out to be the case. Uh, Fitzgerald yep. Fitzgerald threw for over 700 more yards last year. Now, he played the whole Ole Miss game and the bowl game, too, but he didn't throw for 700 yards in those two games. No. And would not have Especially done not the bowl year. game. That bowl game was ugly. But So, the yardage was down. Uh, the completion percentage was about the same. But uh, he, he went for 21-10 and 10 last year, and he went for 15-10 and 10 this year. So there was some drop in his passing numbers, even though he was probably a better quarterback because of the lack of talent at wide receiver. Now you're infusing more talent. And make no mistake, all three of those guys are going to play next year. Yeah, Devontae, Jason, Malik Heath, and Stephen Gidry will be on the field next year. Nobody's saying all three are going to start, but they're all going to play. Right. Well, and Gidry's – I agree, and I think the fact that we've got three is they'll be able to learn – and and learn responsibly, so to speak. You know, they're not going to put them in situations to where they can look bad or not know what they're doing. Hundred percent, and that doesn't even include the tight ends that we signed, uh, which we signed three of those in uh, Spivey, Cumbest, and the kid out of Startville, who's technically a receiver, but his body is a tight end. So state listed him as a tight end when they signed him, and that was uh, um, Gardner um, out of Startville. How locked in were those guys before Coach Moorhead decided to come? The only one that I think was a big, like, we weren't sure was Devontae Jason out of Landry Walker. Um, He was really close to going, I believe, to LSU or Kansas uh, because his best friend, Corion Harris, went to Kansas. (laughs) So he, those were the three that he was looking at. And he was the one where everybody said, Malik Heath, I think most everybody thought was for sure coming to Mississippi State. He was coming to State. Um, Marcus Murphy, we all knew, was coming to state. And then Stephen Gidry was getting a very hard late push from LSU, but most people felt pretty good that he was going to come to state as well. The the Jason get the Devontae Jason is the best receiver in that class. He is he is a huge pull for us. He he's a big time receiver. Having his high school quarterback teammate Keaton Thompson on the team was huge. And, but, uh, and Lamar Peters, just to throw it out there, Peters is also from Landry Walker. So Lamar Peters, Keaton Thompson, and uh, Javante Jason. Uh, uh, but did, did I, when I was looking at Coach Moorhead's stuff, you know, when he first decided that, you know, we decided he was going to be our coach, or whatever, and, and uh, doesn't he utilize? He utilizes the tight end a lot more, doesn't he? His leading receiver at yeah. Penn State is the tight end. He loves the tight end. Yeah, so I thought I remembered that. Yeah. So he's so that probably has something to do with those guys solidifying. Absolutely. So you got a ton of weapons, but. 
Um, back to Stephen Gidry, I think he's the one that most people think day one is the most prepared and ready and should make the biggest impact in 2018. Is is that incorrect? Yeah, but yeah, because he's a JUCO guy. Yeah, you know he's been he's been playing at a higher level, bigger body already matured, and, and he should be ready to go. Now our two true freshmen have a lot to learn, but they're both really talented. Uh, talking with guys, Heath Heath loves the fade route. He can go get it. You know, he's got speed to go get it. He's got to work on other things, uh, you know, battling, running slants, doing those kinds of things. But he'll get it. He's very talented. And same thing with Jason. Jason's a big body. And uh, WAP is going to, you know, he'll catch on very quickly. And, and I think, you know, they're going to push those guys because you look at uh, the couch uh, – Todd, Reggie Todd. And Reggie Todd, those two guys combined had 20 catches this year. Ugh. And, and, and uh, Reggie's the best receiver we have coming back. Reggie, pro- Reggie Todd's probably pretty so. much the best receiver on now, the team. Now, I will say this. We are pretty much set at the slot position because we have Mixon coming back. Malik Deer healthy. We've got Deer coming back from a knee injury. And we got Dedrick Thomas coming back, who he caught 20 passes He was this year. a stud this year. He, he played better ball. So, I mean, we, we're three deep at our slot position. We got to have our outside guys step up, and there's going to be some battles out there. Yeah, well, we talked about that all year. Yeah, we needed an outside threat. You know, we had the inside guys. No, no doubt about it. And now, now you we're we're really good at tight end. We're set at we're set at slot. We're set at tight end next year. I mean, it's just what outside receivers are going to step up and, yeah, and yep. take control of the position out there. Well, and one of the things I, we've got that threat now. We didn't even have have a threat last year. I a hundred percent agree. There wasn't even anyone that scared you, at least with this set of new guys coming in, and and you would hope the natural progression of a guy like Reggie Todd, um, and a couple of the tight ends that are coming back, and and then a new system. I mean, that's the other thing that we haven't really broken down is it's real easy to think about what we had this past year and how the new guys would fit into the systems that we've been running, but. Moorhead's system is a lot, lot different in the fact that it stretches the field vertically, and he wants to take shots deep, and he really wants to um, use his receivers. So, I, I don't, I, I want to, I guess, in my mind, hope that that's going to help our receivers develop as well, and take maybe a bigger jump than they would if they were just in Dan's system again. Well, John, you know, it's going to help our running game as well too. Well, John, you know, as far as having your guys stretching the field and all that, you know, you're going to hit some big passes. And I, I yep. think bringing in a Heath and a uh, Jason to come in, stretching the field, and Todd can still do it as well. But but it also, you know, that's kind of the reason maybe his tight end was the leading receiver because they have those outside guys pushing the safeties and, and yep. having to cover more ground. And so yeah, uh, now you – between those safeties and the linebackers. So now you're getting a lot more underneath uh, room yeah. to throw for Fitzgerald and uh, even Thompson. I mean, Thompson's going to play some next year. There ain't no doubt oh, about no, it. for sure. So it, you get them with bigger windows to hit people underneath the safeties and behind linebackers. It's going to be fun. Let's, let me ask you this question, John. What, what do you think, like – I guess moving next year, we've got the 18 returning starters, and you bring in this signing class. We'll, I'll go ahead and get it on record so that people can blast you on Twitter next year. What's your, what is your, I mean, how do you feel? If you're, you're a state fan now, Mullins left, 
you've got a new coach, you've got this weird bowl game coming up that nobody really seems to even care about right now, at least on the fan side of things. You don't hear anything about it. You've got an exciting you, you get a you get a, a a good, a top twenty signing class that still will have some pieces added to it um in February, but that again, no one's excited about. Nobody's talking about a top twenty class like, oh, it's this is a big a good class. So package all that together and give me how do you feel right now moving forward what's what's your gauge on the on the program i guess as as far as just next year or but just like just in general program. just in general give it yeah. you know i i think it's i don't think it missed a beat with dan leaving I, I i think uh like i said with the information age everybody knows what everybody needs and everybody's going to play immediately and and I think that's what these guys chose there. And not that I now I know some of them were Mississippi State fans and all that, but they went to a place where they know they could come and make an impact. And I think you'll see next year you'll see uh, probably one of these guys on offense will be standout. There will be two or three others that will step up and make plays and contribute. And um, uh, defensively, I think um, uh, you know we've got. A lot of guys coming back, and I think we're going to be solid. I mean, we're in the right direction. Yeah, I don't see anybody coming in defensively that's not already at school right now and making like a year exactly. one impact the way um, Leo did when he came in or Willie Gay did this year. I I, right. I don't really see that playing out just because of the depth factor. No, we uh we signed a JUCO linebacker. That's true. Who's Shamar. got a chance? Linebacker's actually one of the places. Linebacker corner is a chance where you could really get in the rotation. I think defensively, those are the only spots that you even have a shot to, to get on the field. Defensive line, no kid was coming in defensive line and even unless you signed a Simmons-type guy. And, and there it, really wasn't one of those out there that was no. that we were in the running for, at least. So, you know, and, and we have guys at corner that, that are already on campus that are, you know, just yeah. licking their chops to fight to get on the yeah. field. Uh, we lose no safeties. And we've signed one safety already in Sean Preston Jr., who's a stud. Well, we redshirted another one, too. Yeah. Who out of you and, go? And Marcus Murphy is one of those guys that I think we will see on both sides of the ball next year. I think oh, yeah. he, he will play offense and defense. Yep, he acted like that. I saw a couple of interviews, and uh, it, it, I don't think it was you know, recruiting talk, trying to get him to make sure he came to Mississippi State. I think it was honest that uh, I think Coach Moorhead if you can make an impact defensively, you're going to play some defense. If you can make an impact offensively, then you're going to play some offense. I think that's why he believes. Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at the kid, and it's really hard to say where you're going to play him right now. Cause you, I mean, we're, yeah. we're deep at tailback. He's not. Yeah, he's not but, a tailback. But he's, he's, he's a talent. He's somebody that needs to get the ball. I, and I feel yeah, – I agree. I feel so much better having him and having Moorhead than having him with Dan. I trust, and that may be weird. Yeah. That may be weird, but I innately feel like Joe Moorhead knows exactly where that guy needs to be to have the ball and be a playmaker. Because I watched what he did at Penn State with Saquon Barkley, and I've gone back and looked at some of the Fordham stuff. And I mean, those kids were not. No offense to anyone who went to Fordham, they're not SEC talent, and nobody would think they are. But he made guys playmakers up there, and so. I, maybe that's naive of me, but I, I trust him. I feel like he's going to put Murphy in a great spot, and, and we're going to look back four years from now, and Marcus Murphy will be one of those guys where you go, he's an all-timer. He's a smoot. He's a pagese. He's somebody that's never going to be 
forgotten for his contribution four years out, whatever he does. Right. Yeah, I, I think just from what I've seen and, and read on, on Coach Moorhead is I think he's uh, a Dan a Dan one step above a Dan because Dan came in saying that, you know, he was going to adjust to our roster. Well, I think uh, Coach Moorhead will use kids where he can use kids and where they can contribute. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I, I think we're upgrading as far yeah. as strategy goes offensively. Yes. 100%. It's a more polished and better functioning RPO system. Now, you know, Dan, now we were good at what we did now under Dan. There's no doubt yeah. about it. But we weren't flashy. We we weren't coming up with new concepts, really, or anything like that. Well, but, and the, the problem with Dan's system, and the more you watched it over a period of time, the more evident it became, was that he was going to score 45 a game against anyone not in the SEC and the low tier of the SEC. He could He could hang it on Kentucky. He could hang it on Vanderbilt. He could hang it on... Uh, you know, Carolina, whatever, Arkansas, he could put it up. But every time we went into elite games, barring the few little ones, we weren't going to score points like that. Even though we were scoring better than we ever did under Kroom or Cheryl, mm-hmm. his offensive plan still didn't – it wasn't um, different enough to give us the advantage, right? Wouldn't you say that, John? As a Mississippi State, I, we can't go out I Alabama, out Alabama. You're right. The only thing different he did with Alabama was the fact that he slowed the clock down. He slowed the game down. Well, and that was just this year. I mean, over nine yeah, years, know. he never did anything to try to – Moorhead will give us, I think, and I hate to say this, he will do a little bit of what Freeze did against Alabama in that he's going to pull something out that Saban goes, Where, who, what was that? I haven't seen yeah. that before. What happened? You know, like, And I think, Dan, you just never felt like that was going to happen with Dan. No, never. Well, I mean, we, I, think, I think Lee and I even said, you know, uh, a couple of those, you know, games that we were knew were pretty much locked. Uh, we're gonna come out and work on the passing game, and sure enough, you and know. that's what we did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and it was close. I mean, the La Tech game, that first five minutes of the lot. I mean, we beat them fifty six yeah. to six or something like that. But the first five minutes, we looked like a CUSA team. You know, yeah. we we weren't any good. But I don't. And and I'm sure Moorhead will have a. I, I know without a doubt if Moorhead oh, stays yeah. nine oh, years, oh, yeah. we will lose some game we shouldn't lose. It's gonna happen. But I I guess maybe it's naive and maybe it's just hope, optimism. I haven't seen anything. You know, he hasn't done anything yet, so I can't it's be negative. State fans, Blake. <laughs> yeah, we are. It's the eternal optimism coming back out again. <laughs> oh man! Gosh darn it! We're gonna do it. <laughs> I just every time he says something about putting rings on your on his fingers, I just get little shivers. I love it. <laughs> Well, you get fired up because you got a guy you know was a good offensive guy. And, I mean, I, you know, from a, a coaching standpoint, it's exciting for me because I'm excited to see some of the new things coming into our offense and things that we'll do. And it will also help Mississippi high school coaches because guys like me will be up there learning, learning, yeah. working with them and their staff and uh, talking to them about concepts and things that they do. So, I mean, it's a win for Mississippi as a whole, not just our university. And then when you look, you know, this year's going to be a big year because we're very talented. I mean, we're, we're a top 12 team in the country next year. On paper, yeah. I without a doubt. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's a case of, you know, a really good system coming in with a really good team, and you're excited to see what can happen. Because if Mullen had stayed, we know what we were going to get in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. 
we knew what we were going to get in Baton Rouge. And, uh, you know, it's it's more of the same. Now we, there's some excitement. Maybe this guy's going to keep Saban off balance this year. Yeah. You know, yep. so that would be nice. A whole new set of cheerleaders coming in. 100% true. Well, let me ask you this, John. Based on, you know, kind of transitioning into that, obviously there's excitement, but there's also a little bit of nervousness because you don't know how long will it take guys to pick up the system. If it's much more complex or if it's different, you know, what's it? So as, you know, you, you went from high school running a spread to running the triple option under Ballard. I, I know that was a big switch. We're not having quite the drastic switch, but can you kind of talk about from a quarterback perspective and an offensive guy perspective, the transition period and what, to look for what keys to know if guys are progressing the right way or, or you, you kind of get where I'm going? Well, yeah, yeah. And i tell you, the great thing that we've got, the advantage that we've got, is we've got Nick Fitzgerald, at quarterback, and he's a heck of an athlete. Yeah, having a so veteran quarterback. That a lot of other quarterbacks can't. Yeah, having a veteran quarterback switching systems is huge because, yes. you know, we get to build on things that he's done under Mullen and he's matured, and he's also a graduate now. So he'll have more time. Football, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to have more time well, to focus. Yes, exactly. And he's uh, he's a smart kid. And I think another advantage that we've got, I think Coach Moorhead is one of those coaches that um, he's not going to put kids in situations uh, or he's not going to try and make them do things that they can't do. So do you, you – know, I think he's that, he's that smart. Do you see that? Playing into that theory, do you see next year being a hybrid Moorhead Mullen offense, and then the following year being full you, Moorhead? I think you might. I yeah. sure do. I don't think he is that bullheaded to come into a place and you're going to do this, and this, you know, this is my offense. And I think he's, uh, I think he's a bright guy, and and he knows better than to do that. Well, also, if he the way the offenses offenses have uh, developed through the years. There's there's not just complete changing of offenses. Uh, right. Inside zone run is inside zone at every college in the nation. Yeah. Whatever uh, you're right. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Your outside zone stretch run is the same at every college in the nation. You can call it something else. Yeah. But it's still the same thing. It's really a biggest – the biggest change is going to be the routes for the receivers and the quarterback's decision-making. Yeah. Now, you're going to have different type RPO stuff. Yeah. And, and different reads there. And obviously his system being – predicated on reading the safety that's the big switch it's you're reading a different defender so that's the biggest change for nick i would think he still has to throw yeah, the football I think that's pretty that's relatively easy to he, he probably knows that already okay yeah you know, I, but it's so, just the fact of getting the reps and, and uh, seeing it and getting the verbiage down Call, calling the verbiage that's always a pain you didn't like you didn't like having all those different calls. Let me ask you this question. Side note: um, If Gruden's QB camp had been around when you were around, how do you think you would have done in in the Gruden QB camp after college? Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. It's uh, what we did. We did a lot of numbers things. We didn't do a lot of. It wasn't very wordy. We, we would have three numbers that would tell you three different things. Huh. On the same play. Interesting. You know? So it was. It wasn't a zip, zoom, zap, and all that kind of motion stuff. You knew what you were supposed to do on that play. Now you could change it with numbers, but it was numbers. You know, it wasn't words, and that gets confusing to me. 
you pro- oh, yeah. you probably didn't have to do as much play changing as that as happens nowadays either. I would think. No, we had basically we would go up to the line of scrimmage, and I had four options. And out of those four options, I would call one of them, and it would depend on how they're lined up. Yeah. Secondary run run coverage how they were going to handle the run from the secondary. So I was either reading a strong safety or a corner. Uh, and w- how they were aligned to dictate what we did. Yeah, and even now it's even more simplified because teams are going faster. I mean, quarterbacks basically yeah. have two options. And uh, yeah. they'll have a, a run option or a pass option that they'll go to. Right. And, and then coaches do check with me's. So they'll they'll fake like they're making a call see where they can get the defense stepping or what they're doing, and then yeah. go go with that call or, or change real quickly to another and run that play. So it's it's where the sideline has taken a lot of that away from the quarterback in they the have. last 20 years, for sure. They sure have. And, and we were limited to uh, – you know, in high school, what I ran, it was a run – pass option type deal but it was a flat curl you know if they you know if they were backed up you ran it if they were you know coming up you threw it and then in college it was uh if you had a pass play called you were going to run a pass play but it was going to be a selection of three or four and if you had a run play call it was going to be a selection of three or four and and then I'd have to come up and call it at the play, just depending on what their coverage was and now coaches use a 36 page rolodex on the sideline to to yeah. call plays. <laughs> Golly, some of those uh, play sheets they have oh, on the sidelines. Those NFL play sheets, they're like six feet long, two feet wide. I mean, they're crazy. They it's fold crazy. up and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And, and, you know, the majority of it is just is crap. It's just it's, it's telling motion. And then half the time you say, all right, now this is where I want you to end up. You can start wherever you want to, but I'm going to need you right here. Yeah. At wet when we snap the ball. Interesting. So you they know, just so, let them do whatever. Yeah, it was a lot of it. Of course, you can use some of the verbiage that Matt Ryan used last week, trying to get his guys to be still. <laughs> no, hey, this is a this is a PG thirteen show, so we don't do that. We don't use those words. Um, okay, well, real quick, we'll wrap it up, John, because um, I know you're obviously driving. Tell Mary Beth we said hey. Um, I will do it. W- looking forward. Spring game, what do you hope to see both from guys returning and from this recruiting class in the spring and and from Moorhead as a whole? What do you what do you kind of hope to see? Because obviously the bowl game is different. It's not going to include these guys oh, yeah, or Moorhead. So. Different. I hope, yeah, we'll talk about the bowl game next week, but I hope to see 20,000 people in the stand. <laughs> I think there's a possibility. Yeah, I think we'll have twenty to 30,000. I really do. I bet. But I, I would like to see uh, – uh, continuity, everybody on the same page. You know, not a lot of, of faux pas in position, you know, uh, uh, I guess. Confusion. Where you're supposed to be and mistakes like that. Pre-snap, I want to see everybody on the same page with pre-snap stuff. and Everybody knowing what they're supposed to do would be great to see that in the spring game. Is there anybody off the recruiting list, and I know you don't have it right in front of you because you're driving, but is there anybody off the recruiting list that you want to or hope to see step out, or, or are you kind of just expecting it to be someone and you don't really know who? Well, you know, it is kind of uh, expecting it. You don't really know who. I know somebody will. 
Um, but I think, you know, those guys on the outside, the outside receivers, we have got to have some performance out of them, you know. I know we won't see them in spring, but 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 they're at a receiver position. They're outside, so I, they have the possibility of being able to do that. That's so it's not going to be a a, a, a burdensome uh, playbook for them. Okay, you know they're going to be able to go out there and know what they're doing, and I'd like to see them get involved really, really quickly. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think as you. We need to see some a lot of growth out of our wide receivers that we have already yep. on campus this spring, because we got to have some guys step up. But it, I, I think they will because they're going to be challenged because they know what's coming in. Yeah. But you you also see a Malik Deer full speed this spring. Uh, yeah, that's true. You'll also, I mean, Aries has nothing to prove this spring at, at running back. No. So like you, you'll see out. you'll see Hill getting a lot more tight reps, Gibson getting a lot more reps, making sure they're yeah. good to go. Uh, you're going to see younger linemen. We got a veteran offensive line coming back, so you're going to also see a lot of our younger linemen getting a lot more work. I think this is a really good year, spring wise. Even though we're putting in a new system and all that, we have a lot of veterans this year. So you, I think you're going to see a lot of growth with the the backups. Because we got, I mean, Simmons doesn't have to prove himself this spring. No, Montez, Sweat, Sweat Simmons, doesn't have to. yeah, they all know what they can do at this point. Yeah. They're going to be out there coaching more than they're going to be working. Yeah, yeah, I, I 100% agree. And based on that coaching statement, too, I really thought, kind of jumping around back to recruiting, I really liked the way our current players handled this recruiting class with the coaches leaving and all that kind of stuff. They, I felt like they stepped up. At least on social media, and I 100% believe privately on you know talking to the recruits and stuff like that, they they really did a great job of selling the family and what you've been preaching all along, John, which is that you're committing to Mississippi State. You're not committing to Dan Mullen right. or or Hugh Freeze or whatever. And, and that's what you want. You want somebody that's there. You don't want somebody there because of coach. I mean, that should enhance your play, maybe, but, I mean, your heart has got to be there. Yeah, 100%. And oh. I think that's that's what you got, got out of us through the years. that will step up and play. That's, I know that for a fact. Yeah. They will, uh, if they came to Mississippi State, they came to Mississippi State because it was Mississippi State. They didn't come because it was a system. Um, they came because they knew they were needed, and that helped, too, if they know they're needed. Then they're they're you know they're not going to let some people down if they've got the right attitude you know they don't want to let anybody down so it, it sets up really well for us and and that really hits home when you look at the fact that we kept a top quarterback recruit yeah even through the coaching change yeah that's the one everyone thought for sure was Balin was Jalen Maiden and keeping him on board is massive huge for us because you know we're down to two scholarship quarterbacks right now yeah. So, but uh, we'll, go ahead, John. I think we'll see that. I think we'll see Keaton. I think we'll see him a lot more next fall. You know, because I think he'll step up this spring, and he's going to be. Uh, I mean, there's not going to be a quarterback controversy. I just think that he's going to get prepared for when he's the guy. Yeah, he he should get some playing time next year. He's ready. He yeah, and uh, he he needs some experience and all that. So. Uh, you know, you got a guy. I agree. There's not going to be a controversy. Our, Nick's our guy, but you know, yeah. he's he's earned some time to to get some reps and 
and to learn and make sure he's ready to go, you know, after, yeah. after fifth league. So. And we'll break it down next week, but I'm excited to see him get a full game. You know, I know it's weird circumstances, yeah. but the game against Louisville will be fun just to see him run the offense. Right. Yeah, absolutely. See his athletic ability. It, yeah, just his playmaking skills because it doesn't matter who you, who's coaching who. You still got to go out there and hand it off, throw it, run it. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to be able to play to an extent. So, yeah. But um, all right, John. Well, I appreciate it. you. Got anything else, Lee? No, I'm. I think that's I, about I, it. I, I think that was a good, solid discussion of our class and, and where we're headed. Yeah, I think so, too. All Looking right. forward to talking about the bowl game. Yeah, absolutely. Be safe um, on your uh, Christmas vacations. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you next week, and uh, we'll knock out a, a bowl prep and maybe see if we can get Booby D back in here and and uh, yeah. knock out this bowl game. So, All right, John, y'all be safe, man. Y'all, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, buddy. Merry Christmas. Well, um, yeah, I mean, not much more to say. At this point, it's like being a kid. You you left the toy store, you got your toys, but you, you can't play with them until you get home. Yeah, uh, it's a really good class, and uh, especially considering that we had a coaching change. A lot of times they fall apart, and, you know, our, our coaches still have time to bring some new pieces in. You know, we still, I think we could sign five or six more. And that's what kind of Moorhead said in his press conference. He's looking for four or five, six guys, and I think – I think what you'll see is is there's a there's a three star offensive lineman that we're looking at. Um, we gotta sign another offensive I, lineman. I think I think we'll pick up because nineteen is gonna be tough on the O line. At least right now, there's not as much depth set up for that. So, you know, you pick up another offensive lineman. You pick and I had this com- I had this argument with somebody on Twitter because they were trying to tell me how this class was a disappointment for Mississippi State. And how oh, that's insane. How we let James Williams slip away and um, Jerome Carvin, the tackle, big t- offensive tackle out of ten out of Memphis, which. I would have loved to have him sign, sure. but he chose Tennessee. It is what it is. Um, we will never be an Alabama, a Georgia, a USC, and Ohio State of Texas. We will never be a team that can bring people in to start A1 day one as five stars and just live off that. No. We have to develop dudes who people don't care about, don't know about, don't think about. Or don't basically don't have room for. You know, we, we got to thrive off those guys that we have – and some have developed in the NFL players. And, you know, that's that's going to always be our big key. Now, do we need to always pull in the, the Jeffrey Simmons and Chris Jones? Of course. Guys in Mississippi? Absolutely. We cannot let those guys get away. But, you know, our, our core of our recruiting classes are going to always be, you know, four-star guys that, w- that we pull in from Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama that really, you know, don't see themselves getting early playing time at Bama or anything like that. And, and then the big-time guys from Mississippi. I mean, that just developing those guys. Those three – Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, Tennessee, Georgia are full of three-star guys. Who can that, become five-stars. <clears throat> yeah, that, that just haven't quite developed yet or people just haven't exactly come to – an answer as far as where they see them fitting in. Yeah. Sometimes it's coaching. Sometimes it's physical maturity. Sometimes it's mental maturity. But yeah. but we've done that with guys like Fletcher. With guys, I know Chris Jones became a five star like last second. But for all intents and purposes, he his was entire career he was a nobody until his senior season. Bernardrick so, McKinney. Yeah, absolutely. Delta kid. Uh, Gabe just, Gabe Jackson. Yeah, another guy who is making pay dirt in the NFL. And of course, we can go to Dak, but. I, 
I agree wholeheartedly. We have to get those guys. What I liked was Moorhead keeping the high-profile guys, making sure we went and got Devontae Jason and got him to sign because he wasn't committed to Mullen. He wasn't committed to anybody. Mm. So that was a big get, and, and I'm excited. I, I don't see the fear of whole of the, or this idea that Moorhead will just suddenly forget how to recruit or not know how to recruit Mississippi, and Mississippi State will just never get a Mississippi player again because we hired someone from Pennsylvania <laughs> is – preposterous and stupid um well i promise you the the people of mississippi and the coaches of mississippi aren't just dying because they lost dan mullen yes 100 percent agree with that it's not like they just lost this, a best friend this guy they loved yeah as the head coach of mississippi state am i saying saying that they didn't like mullen well no i'm not really saying that but i mean there are certain coaches around the state that really endear themselves to the coaching Mullen High school wasn't coaching one. base. No. Tom Herman Tom Herman in Texas is one of those guys. Texas high school football coaches would die for Tom Herman. They love him. Yeah. And and so he's then that's why Texas just like destroyed the top twenty Texas recruiting. They they got like fourteen of the top twenty in Texas. It was insane. But um yeah, I, I think Moorhead will continue to recruit Mississippi well. And I think Mississippi State will continue to dominate the state, especially with this new brand of offense. But what I like about Morehead is, I think, and you'll see this as we move forward. You will see Mississippi State start recruiting nationally, yeah. And and there will be guys who come in that previously would not have come in to Mississippi State, but they're coming because of guys like Charles Huff and Joe Morehead, and and the offense that they put together. Well, so. they have a lot more ties to the Northeast, and and they'll get some of these kids here and there. You know, we'll start getting some thrown in. Yeah. I don't think we can. We'll never be, and nor should we ever be, a national recruiter. But we, if we ever want to make the jump, we have to hit some national guys. You know, I totally the Devontae Jasons. You got to hit those every now and then. Yeah, you got. You have to, and and you have to own the top ten in the Missis in Mississippi, which we did. Yeah. So, you know, and and that's that's going to be the key is is keeping your guys here at home happy, uh, plucking some some really good athletes from Louisiana, yeah. Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee. And I mean that's that's what we've been doing, you know. I thought Mullen did a good job with that, identifying what we could do, but we, you know we got to stretch it out and get get some Florida guys a little more, yeah. And and find us find us a guy out of Iowa, is just a big big yeah, lineman, big old line. But we signed Quatrevis Johnson, six eight, three hundred sixty pound offensive tackle. Yeah, it's that's an, crazy. that that doesn't make sense. Like six eight, three sixty. That's like someone you made in Madden to be your quarterback, like. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that was your like all Madden quarterback that you made, but uh, that's preposterous. That's I don't even know how you could carry that kind of weight. <laughs> Six eight three sixty. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Kids are huge now. And, yeah, and it's, they don't it's even crazy. have to be fat to be huge. No, I mean, no. There's there's and, kids yeah. out there that are six six two eighty and, and they're wrecked. Yeah, they built. don't they don't have any fat on them. Nah. They're just like, oh gosh, yeah, you're seventeen, really? Uh, and then some of us are. Uh, not that. So I'm old, so I got an excuse. I feel old. I don't have an excuse. Oh, it, it gets worse. Wait till you turn forty. <laughs> oh gosh. All right. Well, before this gets too depressing, let's head out. Christmas time. It's exciting. Oh yeah. Um, we want to give a shout out to all our sponsors um, uh, for everything they did: Seminole Furniture, Bulldog Cab, Year of the Cowbell, Mississippi State University, helping us out with the access and stuff like that. Um, obviously, John and Lee. For a great first six months, uh, we want to appreciate, give a shout out to Roger Lamb 
at 105.9, ESPN 105.9, who has helped us out tremendously in some of our studio issues and uh, bouncing around this season. We've been we've recorded at lake houses, house houses, all over the place, studios. It's, it's so. been an interesting uh, fall. Yeah, it's an adventure. It's an adventure. It's been fun, though. But, I've enjoyed uh, it. Hopefully, we'll streamline it in 2018. We'll obviously be back for basketball and baseball season, and uh, hopefully, um, if all goes according to plan, have some big names, some Mississippi State guys come in and, and talk sports. And uh, I'm excited about baseball season. It's going to be amazing. Um, basketball season's looking pretty good, obviously. SEC slate coming up, so we'll have a lot to talk about, a lot to talk about. But uh, I think that about does it for. At least uh, before Christmas, we'll have one more show before the new year. Yeah, that'll be great. Yeah, but we'll do a bowl episode. We'll do a big one next week and and uh, get your guys' questions. Maybe give out another cowbell and ah, uh, that's about it. That's about it. I'm I'm going to get a beer. Yeah, Bye. I I'm need out. a beer. Thirteen and thirty four podcast. Uh, as always, brought to you by Year the Cowbell Bulldog Cab and Seminole Furniture, powered by Elite Dogs, produced by True Maroon Takeover. For Coach 34 and John Bond 13, I'm Blake Scott saying so long. We'll see you next time. Whether the Bulldogs win or lose, everybody likes to have a good time in Stark Vegas. But when you have a good time, you have to be responsible. Who can help you be responsible? Bulldog Cab. Our friends over at Bulldog Cab have joined the 13 and 34 podcast family, and they want to make sure they take care of their family just like you do. So the next time you're out in Starville, whether you're in the district or downtown or all the way out by Walmart, whatever your needs are, call Bulldog Cab, 662-312-5003. Again, that's 662-312-5003 or Bulldog Cab on Twitter, BulldogCab.com. When you are in need of a safe ride home, contact Bulldog Cab in Startful. What's up, guys? It's Peyton with the 13 and 34 podcast here. Are you needing something comfortable to kick back and watch the game in? Then look no further than Seminole Furniture, Mississippi's leading furniture manufacturer. They have sofas, love seats, and even recliners. Visit SeminoleFern.com. That's S M I N O L E. F-U-R-N.com to locate a dealer near you. What's the one thing all state fans have in common? They love ringing their cowbell. That's right, here at the 13 and 34 podcast, we love the cowbell as well. And the only place we'll buy a cowbell from is the official cowbell of Mississippi State Athletics, Year of the Cowbell. That's right, www.yearofthecowbell.com is the only provider of the authentic Mississippi State cowbell you see each and every Saturday in Starkville. At Year of the Bell on Twitter, yearofthecowbell.com is the one-stop shop for your Mississippi State cowbell needs. Thanks for listening to the 13 and 34 podcast. Make sure to follow the show on Twitter at 13 underscore 34 podcast to stay up to date on the latest in Hell State athletics and some awesome giveaways.